I've learned to channel that kind of ego into like I'm I, I'm going to do everything to not allow myself to fail. And I'm getting divorced, and you know, oftentimes there's young kids involved, and unfortunately, um, people commit suicide because of uh, money problems as well. But when you put all that stuff out there, the things that you're worried about being challenged or criticised, and you put it out there first, you're taking the power away from everyone else. On this week's show of the UK Flooring Podcast, I have George Theodoso. He's a business advisor for the trades, a motivational TEDx and international speaker, a master of motivation, mindset, all things sales, and in particular, cash flow, which we all know is one of my favorite subjects. I am absolutely delighted to have him on the show and um, sit back and enjoy. This podcast is sponsored by JHS. JHS has a solution to meet any project you may have. From small residential all the way through to high-end commercial, JHS has a hand-picked commercial LVT, vinyl, carpet tile and a variety of broadlooms to meet every level of budget and specification. Visit jhscarpets.co.uk, contact them directly and get your local area manager to pop in for a cup of tea. Now sit back, enjoy the show and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Welcome to the UK Flooring Podcast and um, first off, the uninitiated, who is George Theodoso and what do you do? <laughs> um, firstly, thanks for having me on, really appreciate you. Um, secondly, to answer your question, I'm a husband, father, son, um, brother, friend and essentially a business consultant that wants to make the world an even better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where did it all begin for you? Um, so this part of my life, you know, that's led up led up, led up to opportunities like this um, was July 2006 uh, when I first experienced someone commit suicide because of money problems and cash flow issues in the business. And then ever since that day, I've just been on a mission just to share best practice when it comes to making, managing and mastering cash flow. Yeah, because your background is an insolvency background, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and is that the industry that you were um, that you went into from university? Is that where it all kind of started? Yeah. There's more to it than that. Yeah, exactly right. So after university, I kind of fell into the industry, didn't really know much about it. Um, but then within six months, I really started to enjoy it because I was dealing with lots of different companies and why different businesses were were struggling and what led to them, you know, closing and and what was the aftermath of yeah. like you know behind every business, you know, is a family, you know, that that re- that relies on that business and what was the after effect of someone closing down their business and yes of course there was always and still is business owners that know the system play the game close you know liquidate a company every year that kind of stuff but for most directors it, it a part of them dies yeah. and and they're left with a form of depression or you know they end up arguing with the other half about money and then that just escalates and becomes routine for months and years and they end up getting divorced and you know oftentimes there's young kids involved and unfortunately um, people commit suicide because of uh, money problems as well. So that just gave me real goosebumps when you said that because being in that situation myself, um, you know, only a few years ago now, um, when you said that part of them dies, it's a really strong statement. But I honestly do think you've just hit the nail on the head, especially for those people that then have no idea on what they're going to do next or how they're going to get through it. Um, and all of those unanswered questions, and I suppose anything like this is always about uncertainty. Uncertainty and confusion causes absolute chaos. Um, yes. And nobody nobody talks about these things because it's it's been a taboo subject for so long. Yes. 
So yeah, absolutely. I love just on a, uh, one thing I just picked up on that you said about confusion and uncertainty, and this is um, not a big enough spoken about subject in my opinion, where where there is uncertainty and confusion, and it from that point, it's more likely that someone, a business owner, in this uh, context of this conversation, if someone's feeling a bit uncertain or a bit confused in business about what to do next or the consequences or whatever, then they're more likely to panic. Yes. And if they panic, they're more likely to make a bad decision. And unfortunately, there's so many business owners that are literally one bad decision away from going bust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what do, you, what do you think at the moment are the biggest challenges facing UK business trades right now? Yeah. Uh, so I love this question. And it would be easy of me to, um, well, I say easy, to go into like specifics about where we are as a as a country as an economy and you know with all this stuff in the background about cost of living and brexit and recessions and you know ukraine and russia and petrol prices and all that kind of stuff but i actually think if we just pause that and zoom out i just think it's mindset mm-hmm. yeah and so that isn't a a big problem right now that's just a, an indefinite thing regardless of the economic climate or wherever part of the country you are you're in or, or what you're doing you know in business i think mindset is the biggest thing and so i'm fully focused on that all of our clients get me just drumming that into them like day in day out week in week out because the things that aren't being spoken to spoken about enough sorry are um first and foremost if you look at any economy whether it's a, a recession economy or a booming economy or anything in between more millionaires multi-millionaires decamillionaires and billionaires are made out of a recession economy than any other economy amazing so that's the first thing so that in of itself should give us confidence that there's more opportunities and more you know for us to grow and scale and and make money and, and do what we need to do for for our families and our businesses the second thing is every day that we wake up there's more opportunities and more money available than there was yesterday they're not talking about that you know and so these are the kind of things that 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 like bug me about you know influential <laughs> people and and organizations and institutions that are just influencing people in a negative way um obviously there's an agenda and that's a different conversation but i think yeah of course like we've got to be more careful about how we run our businesses and what we spend our money on and you know like triple check everything and you know in the trades and construction industry there's a saying which i'm you know you're fully aware of which is measure twice cut once and so yeah of course do all of that stuff but mindset because mindset is the thing where you wake up every day and you can you can control your own mind and put yourself in the best space the base energy to be who you need to be for you your your colleagues in your business your clients your family everyone that comes into contact with you but then also you know, the, the right energy when you're going out quoting and the right energy when you're following up and the right energy when you're on a job, because all of these things make a difference. It might just be a small little difference, but it, it adds up to something significant. And so yeah. mindset for me is, is the one. Yeah, no, I, I completely, completely agree with you. And I actually um, watched a talk of yours that you gave last year, which was about recession mindset and um, the mindset that people have around recession and how to switch how to switch that out and I yeah. found it really interesting and you know I've, I've watched you speak on quite a few um different stages and you know you always manage to get the the right words and I think I appreciate that you saying that. yeah so no, I, I do honestly and, and that's one of the reasons why I asked you to come on this podcast because actually you speak a lot of sense with all of that no I um, really appreciate that it's, it's really interesting on this point though before we move on to the next uh, the next part is um there's certain people that we all know 
Hmm. that always moan about the price of something, always complaining, always find the negative in everything. And so they still have the same mindset and attitude, even if it's a booming economy, you know, they're making loads of money, they're doing well in, in you know, relatively speaking, in how you, you, you measure success, but they're always moaning. So they're always in a recession mindset, mm-hmm. you know, versus someone else that um, that is in an abundant mindset. And I think, you know, there's opportunities everywhere. And if you're closed off to it, you might as well not have opportunities because you're going to waste them. Mm-hmm. And that was actually really pivotal. And I saw that a lot through the people that we work with in particular when um, when COVID hit. We had some that went into blind panic and were like, nobody's going to buy anything from us anymore. We're not going to be able to get the sales. What we're going to do, we're going to have to shut down. And they almost withdrew into themselves. And then there was the others going, what a bloody great opportunity this is going to be. People are going to be at home. They're going to want to spend more on their properties. They want to, they're going to be around their homes all the time. They're going to see things that need doing. We're going to, um, and, and it was amazing to watch from the sidelines the difference, the different tax that people took within that situation. Yeah. And you're absolutely right that everybody has a different mindset with different things. And it even comes down to sales, doesn't it? So, you know, when somebody is um, throwing a load of objections at you in that sales process, the best way to deal with that is to throw a load of positives back. Yeah. And trying yeah. to get people to do that and take that mindset yeah. approach um, is is really critical. And we spend a lot of time with people training them how to do that. And it's, and it's wonderful. So... Um, I agree with you. Mindset is everything. Um, is that one of the most important things that you've ever learned about your over the course of your career, or is there something else? That's yeah. Present? So, yes, yeah, a great question. And actually, um, thinking about this, oh, I genuinely like probably like the, one of the, if not the best thing that I've ever learned. Um, and it's taken a while, by the way. I'm not the kind of person that will <laughs> automatically like experience something shit or fail somewhere and learn the lesson like to you know to its fullest straight away, but for me, um, being in, being able to emotionally detach yourself from the outcome of something, but emotionally attach and connect with being present is just masterful. So what I mean by that, let's just say like the quoting example that you mm-hmm. gave about someone throwing out some negative, like potential clients throwing out some negative stuff. If you emotionally disconnect from the outcome being like, I'm not desperate to make the sale but you emotionally connect and attach to that process and you make sure that you're in service mode and you're asking great questions and you're making people, ultimately people just, all they care about is getting a result and a a great experience. Mm -hmm. Like if you can focus on those two things, like solve someone's problems, give them the result that they want with a great experience leading up to it or throughout, then then you've won. Mm -hmm. And so just being in a position where, you know, anything, you know, this podcast, for example, I'm emotionally detached from, where what the outcome of this is going to be and just putting everything into it in terms of my energy and my passion and and that's all I can that's the best I can do you know and 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 I think that's a good way to approach um life and business yeah I agree and and alongside that then what's the best piece of advice you've ever received best piece of advice I've ever received is actually going back to um my dad's my 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 best friend and my my first mentor and um and there's there's Three things that he used to um, constantly like just just bombard me with, um, and one of them was, you have to find something that you can offer to people. Essentially, what he was saying was, you've got to be able to solve people's problems. Mm-hmm. So, if you're in a position where you can solve a particular problem for a group of people, then like it will be difficult for you not to be successful in life because as long as there's a need for that problem to be solved and you can solve it then you're always going to have 
um, a market for that. Yeah. Do you think that's just specific to people that are in the in a service industry, or is that just any industry? No. I think yeah. that's just uh, the industry, business, life, everything. I think. Yeah. So if you can, yeah, I suppose that's even the case, isn't it? Even you know, go to McDonald's, they're solving a, a problem that people are hungry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, even just like you think, you know, um, not going to name any names um, in my life or your life, but let's just say you think about your group of friends that you grew up with or your group of friends now. And, you know, if I think about, you know, mine now as well, going through that 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 process of looking back, there will always be someone in the group that, let's just say it as it is, cause more problems than <laughs> solve problems. And so there's certain, you know, in a group of friends, like different people have different, there's a dynamic in the group, yeah. like different people bring different things to the table. There's always one that um, maybe is a bit more negative than others or cause a bit more problems or can't handle their drink if you're on a night out and you've got to look after them. You know, or, uh, you know, I've grown up with a lot of friends that, you know, like to have a fight after a few drinks. So, you know, they're, they're kind of like liabilities, not assets on a night out. <laughs> and so, you know, the, for me, if you're in a position where you can solve problems, even as a friend, mm -hmm. then are you more likely or less likely to have consistent friends and people that want, you know, a piece of you and, and your time and want you in their lives? If you're a, you know, you're a, an energy filling, positive, problem solving kind of person, you know? Mm, yeah, I agree. And have you, um, has there ever been any single piece of advice that was just absolutely terrible advice, whether you took it or not? There's got to oh, be something. Yeah, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Um, you must surround yourself with some pretty good people to not get some bad advice. Yeah, it's um, well, I'm very selective of right. who I listen to, and that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be a certain level of successful financially, mm -hmm. um, because I learn I learn from the way my kids do things, and and they're kind of like. They don't think about all the other stuff and the consequences. They just go and do it. And, and I think as we grow older, we lose that, which mm -hmm. which is a bit of a shame. But, you know, I, I look at certain people and whilst there was a period of time I used to look up to a lot of people thinking, you know, it's all right for them. Maybe I can't get there or, you know, um, they're so much further ahead than me, all this kind of stuff. Now I'm in a place where I, I just it's not just about, you know, the size of the turnover and when I'm looking at someone's business or the size of the team. Um, or or any other other stuff. I look at are they happy? Are they healthy? You know, do they do they bring more good than than bad or negative to the world? Um, are they someone that I admire that I would want to build um, a life towards? You know, the kind of life that they they have. Um, and so when I start breaking that down and think about that, I just think there's not. I don't take advice from just anyone. Um, they have to tick some boxes. You know, the people that I work with and I've worked with coaches and mentors for years now. Like they have to have some values that are aligned with my values. You know, they've got to have strong family values and and be ethical. And and it's not just about the money. It's about relationships. And, you know, they've got to have that element to it as well. You know, yeah, I'm a, I, I can be a little bit of a show off at times and all that kind of stuff. Like, so, you know, a bit of an ego that comes into it. But, you know, I, I've learned after a lot of trial and error, I've learned to channel that kind of ego into like I'm, I'm going to do everything to not allow myself to fail. And so when I um when I come across certain people, I don't in terms of bad advice, it was, I, I don't know that there was anything. Um, I, I mean, just little snippets like people people have said to me and and some of our clients, you know, we've been like in a in a group or networking or or around loads of people, and and people will say to me and some of our clients that are of the same kind of ilk as me, so to speak, um, where they're like, oh, you're like you swear too much on social media on stage. Um, yeah, it's just and I just think, well, that that's fine, but that, you know, I, you're not my target market. You're not 
my people and, and I'm not yours. And, and that's fine because um, why should everyone like me? I don't like everyone that I meet. So why yeah. should I be arrogant enough to think that everyone that I meet should love me? So. And just on that, because we're, we're both in the same kind of industry and you'll probably come across this as well, that um, you'll often get, you, you might get somebody that's like, oh, they're just selling snake oil. There's all these people that are motivational, they, you know, um, LTD and um, they're just after, they're just after one thing. They're not actually there to help you. Um, just that, how do you stop that from affecting you um, when people do reach out and say things like that to you, whether yeah. publicly or otherwise? Yeah, this is a great question because um, there was a, a period of time um, and it didn't last for that long, you know, if I'm completely honest. There was a period of time where um, I would get feedback from either someone directly that I've spoken to or indirectly from someone else where we've got mutual connections or friends mm -hmm. or someone referred someone to me and the feedback was, oh, you know, George was a bit salesy. And it used to really affect me because I'd grown up and subscribed to what society tells us, which is don't be salesy, don't be that, which is a load of bullshit because... Mm -hmm. You know, for, for anything, anything to happen worthwhile in life, there's a, a sale in, you know, a quote unquote yeah. sale because there's an exchange. exchange. I should sell myself <laughs> to this young lady that I met that is now my wife. I think everything to an extent is is an element of sales. You know, we put our best foot forward. We want to make a good impression. We want to build relationships, that sort of thing. But the um, when when um, when I've had a situation in the past where someone's referred to me as being a bit salesy and and it kind of makes you think, oh shit, am I that kind of snake or sell? Or am I being perceived as that? that kind? Obviously, I'm not, but am I being perceived as that? And I just um, I just thought about that one day because it was really getting to me. Um, because you know, in every walk of life, every industry, there's people that are perceived in that way, whether they are or not. Perception's reality, and so um, I just thought, you know what, I am 100% fully fucking aligned with what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Yeah. Because um, I will, I have got no problem now pushing through any any challenges or objections or people saying, you know, you're being a bit forward or whatever. Because the reality is, is some people have got lesser barriers than others, and others have got a lot of barriers and a lot of strong barriers that I need to break through because nobody else in their life has ever pushed through to get through and to say, listen, if there's a even just a little fucking chance that you're struggling mentally because of cash flow problems like i'm pushing through and i'm willing on that journey i'm willing for you to think i'm a bit of a dick until i get through for you to realize that actually if i didn't give a shit i would have given up a long time ago yeah so i've got i'm i'm like <laughs> the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up now when i talk about this stuff because yeah. like it is such a big fucking deal and 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 i don't care if i'm perceived in a certain way because i'm comfortable with where i'm coming from um, and why i'm doing it and so you know, and, and and I've lost count of how many times I've said to people, you know what, I don't think you need someone like me. I think you need this person and guide yep. them in that direction. Or someone else is on the other side is being a bit of a dick. And I'm like, actually, I don't want I don't want to work with you. I don't want your energy in and around my business with other clients. No, I agree. I, I mean, you've got over what twelve thousand followers on Instagram. That's why I asked that question, because you must get that a lot more than what we do. And we, you know, we're, we're relatively new um, doing what we're doing um, at Cochrane & Co. But, uh, um, you know, there has been comments like that. And it's and it is that kind of mindset. You just go, that's their opinion. Yeah. We know why we do what we do. We know why we're passionate about what we do. And if we can just help one person overcome something that we that we found difficult, then that's all that it's about. And 100%. it's a, it's a 100%. problem exercise for everybody. Yeah, exactly. I did a webinar last month and um, there's a, a kind of friend of mine slash acquaintance that runs a Facebook group with 33,000 
um, decorators around the country. Okay. And so um, I pinged him a message. I said, look, you know, only if you're comfortable, like, I'd love you to share this link to the webinar. He's like, yeah, no problem. Did it. And um, he didn't tag me in, but I, I, a few days later, I went in to see, you know, what the the results of that of him posting that was and there was a load of people on the third just taking the absolute piss out of me yeah like, it was the oh go on then yeah let's all sign up to this dickhead and they're just on message after and for a second like i was like motherfucker i'm gonna like they don't know me like what you know i'm just gonna get on with my life and you know they don't know me they're not they don't impact my life they don't impact my business they don't there's not there's no why should i give them power because mm-hmm. at the moment they don't have any power so why should mm-hmm. I give them power? And then also, um, I've only had one, uh, well, actually two, but one one video that's really gone viral, and it's, uh, it's at 919,000 views. Wow. But it's at just under 400 comments. And when I tell you, Sarah, probably about 18, 19, 20 maximum of about 390-something comments are positive. The other 370-odd are just wow. destroying me um but they don't know me so what difference does it make yeah and the people that do know you and the people that do matter are the ones that it's important to yeah 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 and I love um I love something that um I've become mates with Paul Moore over the years and there's something that mm-hmm. he said where where because he gets a lot of stick as well and you know when, yes. when it comes out content and um and Facebook ads or whatever and and, and people will, will say on the thread of his post oh dickhead get off my post and he's like Dickhead, get off my post. This is my fucking, <laughs> this is my thread. This is my profile. You fuck off. It's like someone coming to your door and saying, get out of my face, but you knocked on my door. Yeah, yeah. Do you need a hug, hon? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you're having a bad day today. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we've been saying with um, my, um, my, my husband was one of the first people through Paul's um, program of, un- um, of Unstoppable, I mean, over a few years ago. Um, so yeah, we've gone, and um, they actually, uh, borrowed our camper ha- uh, camper van camper van for a weekend as well so yeah he's such such a nice guy such a nice guy um yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. love it he's a gem. um so let's just stay on the on the theme of of marketing then before we go into because what i really want to get into is like the cash flow side of things because i think we can add some so much value to a lot of the listeners here but um what are your thoughts on using social media for for a trades business in particular yeah, no brainer for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely no brainer. Yeah, Is I mean, it... and just just to break that down a, a bit deeper. So, if you're doing residential work, like the majority of trades in this country do, then Instagram and Facebook, and you know, obviously we can have conversations about TikTok and other things as well. But Instagram and Facebook, because they're visual and they're very social, and you get a lot of people on there that will look for their local flooring company, you know, uh, electrician, etc. Um, on there. If it's commercial work, then then LinkedIn's the one. Yeah. And what about people that just really get stuck with content for them? Because a lot of the time people will say, yeah, but being an electrician isn't sexy. How do I make this look sexy? What do I need to be doing? And the thing that I've always said is just be yourself. People buy from people. People want to see people. That's Mm. the biggest advice that I could probably give you. You you know, um, have you got anything else that you would add to that? Yeah. So, yeah, 100 percent. So one of the things that we uh, train in detail to with our clients is um, what refers to as the five E's. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so just so you're in a position where you never think, shit, what should I post? And doesn't anyone give a shit anyway? Um, And so the five E's are number one is education. So educate people on your services, your products, um, the different options, the time frames, how long it takes to install the price points, the warranties, all that, just educate people. 
because um, then they can make informed decisions. Uh, the second D is evidence. Yeah. So, you know, just give people evidence that you're fucking great at what you do because, you know, I can sit here and say I'm great. You can say you're great. The next person can say, oh, we're brilliant. We're the best. But if it comes from someone else's mouth, it, it just holds a lot more weight. Mm -hmm. And so um, do that through, um, you know, reviews, but also and like screenshots, but also video testimonials are even more powerful. Um, the third one is uh, examples. Yeah. So examples of your work, which is so easy to like every every tradesman or every team member in a trades business should be taking before and after pictures, should be doing time lapse videos with a bit of music, you know, like just that becomes interesting. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth E is explanation. So just give people a, an insight um, of what they can expect um, to to experience to um, if they use you. So, you know, how, how like how you communicate. What are the step? Like, what do you do before a job, during a job, after a job? What's the communication like? What what can people expect? Are you going to turn up with a logo, uniform, sign, written van, shoe covers? Like, tell people about all that so they can start to picture what it's like mm -hmm. to work with you. Um, and the fourth, uh, sorry, the fifth E is um, emotion. Yeah. And you've already touched on that. Um, just let people in as much as you're willing to to let people in. Like, show people who's behind the business. Why did you get into it? Why not a different trade? Um, because, the, you know, the, the usual story is that, you know, you didn't want to go to college and you, know, you ended up you're, you're thinking, oh, I'll take some time off. And your mum or dad said, fuck that. You're, you're going on site or whatever, you're going to learn a trade. And then, you know, you get good at it and then you, you go by yourself. And then before you know it, you've got an apprentice and, and you build from there. But um, show people a little bit about that. You know, what do you love about the job? What do you not like so much? You know, what awards have you won? Or what have you been nominated for? Or you know, just show people who's behind the business. You're, I mean, only if you're comfortable. I say to all of our clients, speak to your missus or speak to your, your your husband, and only if you're comfortable to share snippets or a lot more if you want about your family life, about your kids, because now people are like, well, if I, I give my money to this person or to this business, like they're a family-run business. Mm -hmm. It's not, and there's like there's nothing against this, by the way. You know, but like I'm not giving it to a a one-man band, um, young guy who's not married and I can see from his social media that whatever money he gets from his business, he's going to sniff it or drink it. Yeah. Yeah. True. Like, and you know, some people actually put that kind of stuff on social media, which I, I wouldn't advise, but no, no, you know, just, just show a bit of personality around it, you know? Yeah. And is, is that probably one thing that you wouldn't show then? Is there something that stands out that a lot of trades businesses do on social media? You think oh, you shouldn't really do that guys. Honestly, you need to pack that in. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, um, I just think, like, I, I recently turned 42 last month. Um, I'm hoping that you're going to jump in there and say, oh, no way, you don't look it. But, <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I was like, I'm, I'm coming um, up to 40 soon. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and, and so like, it happens every year around my birthday where I get reflective on the past year mm -hmm. and my life as a whole. And every year that goes past, I get deeper and deeper in this thought process, which is, and I've had some health uh concerns recently which is you know we had a brief conversation before we started about um the importance of health and so i i often think about not in a in a negative dark morbid way but i often think about look like when it's my time uh, and i pass away like what what am i actually going to be remembered for mm -hmm. and, and actually now that i'm still alive and i've got an opportunity to do something about it how do i want people to feel about me and 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 how do I want to be perceived and and that kind of stuff and so when I think about that I transmit that into social media what you know and people say oh social media like you know people just it's all bullshit it's all fake people just like share what they want to share well yeah like 
I'm on a podcast. I've, you know, we're only recently met. I'm not going to pour my heart out to you because we're not at that stage of the relationship. I want to do that with with other people that I just meet. So, of course, there's a there's a there's levels to this, but at the same time, like you just got to think, how do I want my business to be perceived? And that's not even just a social media thing, by the way, because everyone that comes and works in our in our business, like point blank, we're going through the purpose of why the business was set up, which we've touched on today, the vision of where we're going, how important they are in the vision. I need them to buy into it. I need them to be part of it. The 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 mission statement, what we're we doing every single day when we get to work, you know, what difference are we looking to make today, right here, right now? And the 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 values, the standards that we operate by. And so even to the to the point of Anyone that comes into our into contact with our business as a potential client or an actual client, any WhatsApp messages, any text messages, any emails, any telephone calls, as soon as someone walks into our office, we talk and we behave in a certain way. We mm-hmm. like it's it's a non-negotiable, it's unacceptable for anyone in my team not to start a conversation with a, a potential client or a client and say, Hi Sarah, hope you and your family are safe and well. How can we help you today? Or you know, the purpose of this call is. But it's, it's always that. And so there's a way that we communicate. There's a way that we behave. There's a way that we want to be perceived because that's just who we are inherently. And so that gets um, gets shown on social media as well. And I just think, funny enough, actually, I'm a big basketball fan as well as football fan. And um, there's a, a basketball player that has been retired for about 10 years, NBA basketball player. Um, he was the most valuable player in 2008. You know, so he's reached that yeah. kind of accolade, right? Won a championship, all that kind of stuff. And I don't know what's going on in his life. I'm not going to make any judgments. But what I'm going to say is on social media, um, on a live stream um, a couple of weeks ago, he was drunk. He was talking about um, how he found a website where he can um, order a girlfriend for the day. So (laughs) let your imagination run wild. He was drunk on the live stream. He was uh, sparked up a cigar, even though countless people in the room told him that you can't smoke in the room. Um, and he was making inappropriate comments to you know, and you think like this guy's been cancelled. He was on national uh, a national sports uh, pundit wow. uh, program. He's been cancelled. Like he's he's lost uh, God knows how much income you know for the foreseeable decade maybe. And you think you know that's that's the same as him being a business owner because mm-hmm. his his business and his brand and him you know he's lost sponsorship deals now and for what because. You know, and, and and two years ago, he did the same thing when he was at his mate's house and there was some women dancing half naked and he was smoking a cigar and playing poker topless and all this kind of stuff. And he lost his job on some TV channel. You think, you know, these are the kind of things that you don't do. Yeah. yeah. Like that, you know, um, unless like that's your target market. I was going to say, you know, unless that is the, the thing. thing. <laughs> well, yeah. Here's the little caveat, which is, you know, you see some musicians or rappers or whoever like, that are in a certain space and that's their target market and they're impressed with that and fine, knock yourself out. But generally speaking, that's not us. So yeah, um, yeah just be mindful. You know, would you buy like, you know, some some flooring, some carpet from a company that is behaving in a certain way that you think actually that might be questionable? Mm-hmm. Just don't do it. If you're, if you're even questioning it, don't do it. And the other thing is as well, trades businesses are in a, usually in quite a tight network where everybody knows everybody already. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I've noticed is a lot of this kind of camaraderie of um, um, and almost bitching about other people within their own industry, within their own network, and it being there and displayed on face, uh, Facebook and Instagram. And, I'm, and I think I scratch my head sometimes and think, well, 
do you not realize that your potential clients can see the way in which you are behaving around other people that are also within your industry? Yeah, that's a fantastic point, by the way. It's it's crazy. Yes. It's, it's crazy. not just about what you put out, but how do you respond yeah. to what other people are putting out as well, you know? Absolutely. You know, and if you are positive and you are um, commenting on other people's posts that, you know, this is great work, even even people that shame other people's work, I think it's just really bad taste. Best thing take them to a side. Explain yeah. to them how they could have potentially done it better yeah. or have you tried this? You know, help people through that. Not yeah, so. I 100% agree. And, and I'm not in, on every Facebook group and in every forum. I hear a lot of this from our clients. Mm that are in these groups and you think fucking hell like you know there's a, there's a poor guy who might be you know new to the trade or whatever jumps into one of these groups with a few thousand people in some cases a few hundred thousand people ask for a bit of help or a bit of advice and then gets destroyed yeah it's not on it really isn't on it's not on so anyway let's get rid of the social media thing now um yeah. what i really want to go into is cash flow okay yeah. we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago and the same question comes up all the time doesn't it where yeah. the fuck does all the money go, George? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hear this so often. They're like, There's loads of money coming in, loads of money going out, none of it's staying. Or my personal favourite is the accountant calls up and says, well done. You've done this much turnover, you've beaten last year, and you've made this much profit. And they're like, great. <laughs> Where the Where fuck is, is it? Because it? it's not my bank. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I just think one of the most important things in business, and it's easy, I know it's easy for me to say because I'm obsessed with numbers and you know, I come from an insolvency background and you know, I've I've built a you know relatively small but you know uh, impactful brand around cash flow. And so one of the most important things for me is is um cash flow. And it, the numbers don't lie. And if you look at you know um business as a whole, mm-hmm investments um businesses being bought and sold you look at things like um dragon's den mm-hmm. you know yeah of course like you know the, these investors are looking for the next big thing you know whether it's like you know this ginger immune shot or this bottle or whatever it is but it's the numbers that make or break these deals yeah great. you know and 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 actually um i i was speaking at an event in birmingham last week uh, not last week three weeks ago and uh i was just saying look like Cash flow problems are not prejudice. It doesn't matter how big your business is, how much turnover, how much profit you once had last year or earlier on this year, or whether you're tall, short, bald, green, black, yellow, it doesn't make a difference. It's not prejudice. If you don't know your numbers, you're going to come unstuck at some point. Mm-hmm. And in your opinion, what are the numbers that any business, whether it's a trades business or otherwise, what should they know? Yeah. So the starting point has to be because um, you know I, I talk about making, managing, and mastering cash flow. So when you're breaking those into three categories, and we're talking about making money, because it's all good and well money coming in. That's not you making money. It's how much is left after <laughs> um, after you take away the expenses. And so first and foremost, you've got to think to yourself, especially as a new business, like only be spending money on the things you absolutely, literally need to to grow the to move the business forward. And so you need to add up all of your monthly, quarterly expenses and your yearly expenses and have one total figure for the year. Yep. And then that's your, your yearly operating costs, also known as overheads, also known as fixed costs. And then you divide that number for your operating costs for the year, divide that number by the number of days that you're open for business. So what that <laughs> means is if you're a one-man band and you go on holiday for two weeks, which is two lots of Monday to Friday, so that's 10 days, 
if your starting point is 365 days in a year minus a leap year, take away normally we have eight bank holidays a year, not the nine or ten over the last couple of years, and then you take away weekends, assuming you don't work weekends, you're left with 253 working days. Mm-hmm. So if you if you take a two week holiday a year of your family and you're one man band and you're closed for business, so that there's no money making or income coming in while you're away, then you divide that number, that yearly number by 243 days. Mm-hmm. So now you've got your daily break even. Yep. So that's the, the minimal amount you need to earn every single day just to break even, just to keep your head above water. That's it. And then you price jobs up accordingly where you test. So all of our clients, we we put everything in place for them to be between 20 and 40% net profit yep. after everything's been paid. So once you've got your daily break even and you're, you're pricing jobs up, you test whether you're going to you're in a position given market rate and your positioning and your types of clientele whether you can charge um, a 10% net profit margin on top or a 20 or 30 or 40. Um, and then that's your, your profit that goes into a profit account. Mm-hmm. And so that, that has to be the starting point. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Agreed. Um, just touching back on that about working days, it blows people's minds when we say this to people that um, out in the work, in the working world, when you get five to six weeks um, paid holiday per year, if you were to be able to afford the luxury of that, you're actually only working 230 working days a year. Yeah. And they go, ah, that's yeah. where I'm going wrong. Yeah. Because they're yeah. dividing everything by 365 days. Well, you don't work 365 days a year, do you? <laughs> no. Um, exactly. And then they also question then, why can't I have time off? Why can't I go on holiday? I'm not able to do that. I have to work weekends because you're pricing on the wrong pricing structure. Exactly. And I, 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 um, I'm a fan of going a step further than that and saying, actually price it up on a four day week, not a five day week. Thousand percent. We do the same yeah. thing. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Because it right. just gives you flexibility just in case your diary is not full for mm-hmm. 250 or days in a year, like back to back, because let's be honest, mm-hmm. you know, it's a good chance it's not going to be. Mm-hmm. And then it also affords you the opportunity based on you filling up your four days every week that you've always got a day to yourself to work on the business, take some time out you know, focus on 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 the bigger picture stuff so mm-hmm. you can move the business forward. Absolutely, because that is one of the things, isn't it, that people say, I don't have to, I don't have time to be out pricing jobs. I'm out till six, seven, eight o'clock at night. And then we say, well, okay, go back to your numbers. Go back to your numbers and work it out on a four-day working week. Because if you yeah. can if, if if your target market and what your and your overheads and everything else are all lined up in the right place, you could have you should be able to afford to price your day rate on four days a week, giving you one day a week to be able to go out and do your measures, do take all your deliveries, go and pick up your materials, pick up your supplies, um, get back to customers. And and what the other thing is as well, it affords them the time if they do have any fuck ups or they have something to go back to, they've got a bit of an overrun and flex in the diary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. From that point of view, but then also going back to the numbers, another reason why a lot of people have that conversation with the accountant, which is, well, where the fuck's the money? Um, or you get to end of a job and you're like, shit, this job was supposed to be really profitable. Where's the profit? Is because it's one thing to to quote, and, and we've got a three-step guide that we, we help our clients with to quote, which I'm happy to share. Um, and it's one thing to quote and win the job, making sure that there's profit in it, so you know your numbers. But it's another thing, that's stage one. Stage two is you've got to run the job efficiently because if that job overruns half a day or a day, that's now eating into another half a day or a day's daily break even i.e mm-hmm. profit or if you um damage at all you've got to go and replace it or you've misused some of the materials you've got to go and get some like all of these things might not seem like a big deal to the team but that wastage 
could be literally eating into your entire profit and in some cases leading to you making a loss that year or for that job or, or yeah for the year as well it's um it's the same thing we always do about um we always ask people to um check inventory as well because things like um under ordering on material um or under allowing for material that then needs to be bought on the top of that it then ends up eating into that as well so there's all sorts of different um ways in which that can then start just filtering it filtering out that little bit of profit that you may have had and the other thing that people often forget is contingency as you just mentioned about things like do you have to repair a particular tool this year what's the what's the useful lifespan on that particular piece of machinery are you going to have to start putting money to one side for that what's going to happen if it breaks and you suddenly then need to need to replace it yeah, yeah, exactly. And vans, gone. you know, vans gone. Yeah. yeah, banging the mechanics. What do you do? You have to pay it because you need to get the van out there and your money. So, you know, all of these things and and, um, and I touched on it in the in the, the I think the one of the presentations that you referenced um, uh, last year, uh, Expert Empires, where like you've got, a, it, you know, every single one of us has had at least one experience of an unexpected expense. For some of us, it happens, you know, often. But, you know, if it happens once, then it could happen two months in a row or three months in a row. When If you're not expecting it, then where's that money going to come from? And now you're in a position where you're more likely to fall into a little bit of debt to then recoup for that month. If it happens again with, a, with something else next month, then now you're in a bit more debt. Before you know it, you could be three to six months in, and now you're you're struggling. You're like you're paddling, trying to stay above water, just because you know you're you're now just working to pay off the debt and not actually making a profit. Mm. I mean, talking of debt, then because um, you know a lot of people, you know, there is a lot of people that are in debt now, um, and especially you know trades that I think going through that cycle at the moment of going, um, I haven't got enough money coming in, so I end up then putting things on my credit card and then can't pay the credit card off. What are your top tips for people that are wanting to get out of debt? Yeah, so three things really. Number one is um, get all your options. Mm-hmm. So know, you know, whoever you owe the money to, what are your options? Get all of that first. Um, and then number two, set the parameters of the money that you're going to put aside, you know, to make sure that you're you're not going to fall behind on the repayments. Um, and then the third is just stay disciplined, like like your life depends on it because it does. Yeah. Um, and so that that would be the three step kind of starting point, and then maintaining it. And then there's obviously other tactics, like you know, let's just say you've got five different credit cards, for example, or and a couple of loans, then. A nice little tactic known as the the snowball method, which is um, pick the the one that's the 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 smallest debt mm-hmm. first. Maybe put a little bit more into that, get that paid off. Now that's off the list. Then what's the next lowest? Get that off the list because um, now you're going to start building momentum and confidence, and you just you're getting rid of these things rather than constantly thinking, well, that's the out of all of the the five credit cards and the two loans that we've got, that's the most expensive every month. Let's focus on that that will take you longer to pay off. So it will just feel shittier for longer and yeah. just in a bad energy. So just try and get rid of the ones that, that you can as quickly as possible. And then now you, you you still pay the same amount of money into the next ones, but now you've got rid of that one. And then you build you build that up, get rid of the next one, and then on to the next one. Mm-hmm. So that's a mindset again, isn't it? Yeah. Mindset again with that. Yeah. And is that the same kind of thing as, you know, people will say, um, you know, April comes and goes and everybody's like, shit, I have to pay the tax man. I've not put money aside. How can I have not got money aside? Um, 
what is that the kind of same tips for them how do how do you structure it so that people can actually start putting money away for the various things and um, that they need to you know people are like oh well the corporation tax i've got vat i've got pay as you earn i've got this tax that tax the other tax fucking tax man takes everything yeah. but i see that tax is a really good thing because it shows yeah. me that i'm actually doing well yeah, yeah. Um, so do I. Uh, exactly. 100%. Um, although the little caveat to that is, um, I don't know what it was like for you last Monday, but last Monday here in North London, excuse me, for about 15, 20 minutes, it fucking chucked it down. Like I'm talking hailstones <laughs> were like battering the windows and we've got a skylight and it was like being attacked. It was unbelievable. And then I, I, my sister-in-law sent me some videos literally around the corner from here. And I, and I live in a fairly nice area in North West London. And um there was cars driving around two, three, four miles an hour. You couldn't see their tires. The roads were flooded. And I'm wow. thinking, I'm paying £300 a month council tax. That's three and a half grand a year. There's 100 houses on my road. That's 360 grand. 10, 10 roads. That's like, you know, you're talking in the, in the millions. Where the fuck is that council tax money going? <laughs> because the drains are fucked. But anyway, yeah, tax is a good thing. It means you're doing well. And so, um, look, it is a mindset thing. And you know, every one of us that runs a business in this country has to realize that when you charge VAT and you get paid the VAT and the money hits your account, it's not your money. Mm-hmm. It's the price of doing business. And so that 20%, that VAT has to, as soon as, as soon as it hits your account, needs to go straight into the VAT account. That presupposes that you've set up another account and you've named it a VAT account. And so the great thing about that, especially as a trades business, by the way, um, less likely for tree surgeons, but for everyone else that spends uh, frequently on materials. Um, when you put that 20% VAT money in the VAT account, and then most of us do uh, quarterly VAT returns, but you can do it monthly or yearly if you want. Um, and so then when you do a quarterly VAT return, you can then claim back the VAT that you spend on buying all the materials, mm-hmm. which means that if you're constantly putting the 20% in your VAT account, then your accountant gets all your all your information and then does a, a reconciliation on your on your VAT account and claims back the VAT that you've spent. All the money that's in the VAT account, you're not actually paying all of that to, to HMRC mm-hmm. because it's minus the VAT that you're claiming back. Mm-hmm. So whatever that difference is, that can go straight into the profit account as extra profit. Mm-hmm. And so it's just it's just a mindset of right, it's not my money. That's step one. Step two, I'm going to set up a VAT account. Step three, I'm going to be disciplined. As soon as that money comes in with the VAT, the VAT's going straight into the VAT account, and I'm forgetting about it for three months until my accountant says, oh, by the way, I know you've got five grand or 20 grand or 40 grand or 60 grand in the VAT account. By the way, you only have to pay 40 grand or 12 grand or six grand, whatever. The rest is yours. And you can either leave that for the next VAT account or just put what I prefer, just put it straight in the profit account and, mm-hmm. and then go from there. Because even then, when you've got um, some money going through your profit account, you can then utilize that in a better way as well, can't you? So you could utilize that for, um, you know, bulk buying of material and still charging the same rate as you were before. But you might be getting an extra three pound a unit and then you replace the money in the profit account to then build up your reserves even more. But I also find as well that if you put in the 20 percent away, you're probably going to be covering yourself because, you know, it's probably about 10 percent, isn't it? On a, on a standard trade business, you should 10 percent is the VAT amount of it after you've taken expenses off. Um, but then you have got pay as you earn, corp tax and everything else. You could just keep it in there or move it across to a, another account, yeah. um, another yeah. tax account and just have it sitting there. So at the end of the year, that money's there, too, which surprises yeah, 100%. me. 
Yeah, that... great shout. And so, um, so the the rule that that I live by and share with our clients is: if you're zero um, to one hundred thousand pound a year in turnover, one account is fine. It's mm-hmm. your main account. Money comes in, money goes out. Um, and obviously, yeah, VAT threshold at eighty five grand. From a hundred grand to five hundred grand a year in turnover, <clears throat> at the minimum, you should be operating with three bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Is what I refer to as MVP. M is your main account. Yeah. V is your VAT account and P is your profit account. Yeah. So as soon as money comes in, 20% goes straight into the VAT account and whatever your profit margin is based on how you quote and win jobs, that percentage, whether it's 10, 20, 30, or 40%, goes straight into the profit account. Then when you're um, 500 grand a year plus, and you can do this if you you don't reach 500 grand and you're, and you're less, um, there's another set of, of bank accounts that you could and should open, and it's an acronym that I refer to as SELECT because mm-hmm. you select which one is most applicable for you and your business. The S in the acronym stands for suppliers. Mm-hmm. So you could put the supplier money that comes in from clients paying you deposits and balances into a supplier account. Then at the end of the 30 days, when the supplier invoice comes in, I wouldn't even pay it by the way, I'll bang that on an Amex card mm-hmm. or a Capital on Tap card. And then you get an extra 60 days plus points. So you get a couple of holidays a year for your family out of it for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, the E, is for um, employees, that's your payroll. Mm-hmm. So that's employees, that's subbies, um, any freelancers, you might have a graphic designer that comes in and does some bits or whatever. Um, and then uh, the L is for long-term um, yeah. expenses. So what I mean by that is anything that you pay quarterly or annually. Mm-hmm. So um, if you've got um, an office or a lockup or a warehouse um, and you're paying rent rate service charges quarterly, then it's for that. Um, annual insurances, trade body associations that you pay annually would go in there. The second E is for your monthly expenses, standing orders, direct debits, if you want to be that pedantic about it, you don't have to be. Um, And the C is a client account. So you can use that for deposit accounts if you want. So it doesn't get mixed up in cash flow, especially if you've got to, you know, have a certain amount of money of that to go to suppliers. Um, And the T is what you just referenced, which is your tax account, your tax on profits. So corporation tax if you're a limited company or tax on profits as a sole trader, which means that 19% currently, soon to be 25%, um, if you're a limited company, 19% of what's in your profit account should go in that T, that tax account, that tax on profits. Or in your example, the 10%, for example, that's left out of the VAT once you've done the reconciliation, when you've paid your VAT back, that goes straight into the tax account ready for your corporation tax. Yeah. Just juggling. Just a nice, juggling clean structure. It's nice. Yeah, everything's all in its rightful place. Yeah, just, it's yeah. like you've got a nice, clean desk with like six or seven drawers, and you know what goes in each drawer, and it's consistent, right. and it's nice and organised. And, and actually, this isn't something that gets spoken about um, at all, but um, obviously banks um, know how many bank accounts and sub-accounts we've all got set up, right, because it's right there, they can see it. Mm-hmm. And banks, like other financial institutions, they constantly and continually on a monthly basis liaise with credit reference agencies. Yeah. Right. So they report back. If we miss a payment, they report it, right? Um, if we're consistently making payments, they report that as well. So because they're reporting to credit reference agencies, even though it doesn't get spoken about, they also pass information to credit reference agencies about how structured and organized and disciplined that individual is or that business is. Mm-hmm. which means that you're in a better position to be offered more credit and better interest rates moving forward as a business. So it just there's, there's multiple benefits to it. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's probably one of the next questions then. So is there such a thing as good debt and bad debt? Mm. Yeah, 100%. So um, very simply, just think of it this way. Good debt is anything that makes you financially stronger mm-hmm. and bad debt makes you financially weaker. Think yeah. of it like that. Mm-hmm. And so if you're just like spending money um, on excessive things that you don't need and it's getting you into debt and and the thing that you're buying is going to be um, continually dep- depreciating, going down in value, then you, that's making you financially weaker. If it's something that you're investing in, um, and again, this is an easier example. We're talking about a buy-to-let property. Now, forget obviously the current examples with interest rates and whatnot, but generally speaking, um, going and getting a, a massive mortgage to buy a property that's a buy-to-let property is debt, but it's good debt because you're going to get a tenant in there to pay the debt month to month. It's going to leave you with some profit cash flow-wise every single month. You can sit on it for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and in those 5, 10, 15, 20 years, it will go up in value. So mm-hmm. therefore, it makes you financially stronger. Um, and, and the same with, um, you know, and obviously you've got to look at the market, look at your industry, look at um, the van market, look at your plant machinery, work with a lot of tree surgeons around the country. So they're buying vans, trucks, lorries, um, chippers, things like that. Um, and so historically, a lot of these types of plant machinery vehicles, historically, they're depreciating assets. Mm-hmm. But then one of the things off the back of COVID meant that there was less people driving, that then meant that there was less production of vehicles and vans, that then meant then that everything had gone up in price. Um, so a lot of our clients actually sold their van that was two, three, four years old um, and got something else <laughs> and actually made a profit, <laughs> yeah. which is yeah. crazy because normally that wouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. And so you just got to look at it and say, like, does this make me financially stronger or weaker short-term and long-term and then make your decision based on the answers to those questions? Good advice. That's good advice. Um, I haven't um, given you a pre-question about this, but um, what advice would you give to somebody that um, is putting off that registration because they think it's going to make them more expensive? Yeah. Um, (laughs) I love the smile on that because you hear that a thousand times like I do. Yeah, I've heard that so often. And so um, my favourite answer to this question is... um, have you ever seen the uh, the Eminem film Eight Mile? Yes. Yeah. It's a great, brilliant film. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so many lessons in that film, like mm-hmm. in different levels. So um, I've grown up listening to hip hop and various other music. So like you know, like so I'm into it anyway. But one of the best things that I've ever taken, not just from that film, but specifically from that film, just out of any film, is um, it, it actually just blew my mind because if you remember the film, um, and obviously the the whole premise the point of the film is that he does these rap battles and mm-hmm. you know he's a white guy in the predominantly black um community and he gets to the final and uh and you know all these people are like oh you know he's not even black he's whatever and um one of the things that, that was well, the main thing that he did when he got to the final and he went first was that he he just opened up and put out there for everyone to hear all of his insecurities all of his negatives, all of his failures, all of the things that anyone could do to say, to bring him down, to to put him down, to insult him, whatever. You know, I'm white, I'm trailer trash, you know, my mum's on drugs, my this, my like everything. I want to hear you sing it now. (laughs) I want to hear you sing it now. (laughs) No, (laughs) you're actually not going to get a chance to do that. And so he put all that out there. And the amazing lesson with that is that when you put all that stuff out there, 
the things that you're worried about being challenged or criticized and you put it out there first you're taking the power away from everyone else yeah and so I, I use that that uh, example and that analogy to answer your your that registration question which is anything that we're scared of or concerned about or apprehensive about and thinking fuck i'm going to lose business like lean into it mm-hmm. so whatever you're scared of lean into it and i say to all of our guys that go through that journey is now you have an opportunity to lean into it and actually turn it into a positive so what i mean by that is we're not discrediting anyone that is under the vat threshold yeah. we're not saying that you're a bad person or a bad business if you're less than 85 grand a year as in that's what you're declaring yeah um, and so <laughs> um, and so you lean into it and so when you're talking to a potential client especially if you're talking to an existing client that historically hasn't paid that mm-hmm. and now you've got hit with the bomb which well now with that register is going to cost you 20 percent more that you say look we've got a big announcement to make we are so excited and so happy and so proud that we've grown we do everything legitimately we don't cut corners on our jobs neither do we do it financially or legally the way they run our business and we're proud to announce that we're now vat registered and we're growing and we continue to grow what that means for you is that we don't cut corners we do everything professionally and we're not a fly by night we're not going to disappear we're constantly growing we're here to serve you and we've made the natural progression into uh, vat hood if you want to call it that mm-hmm. um, and so as of this date moving forward we have to charge VAT. We look forward to serving you uh, and being your number one choice for flooring, and electrics, whatever. Isn't that, again, the positive mindset, the positive flip that somebody needs to be able to sell themselves and their services yeah. in just the best opportunity that they've got? And it's a, and it's a, it's a really, really important message. Really yeah. important message. It's just, I, just, uh, I find that fascinating from that, that film, like I said, and I just feel like actually when we think about a lot of things in life, not all things in life, but a lot of things in life and business, the thing that we're most scared of that we think is going to cause a problem actually is a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. Because ironically, the the people that some of the conversations that I've had with people over the years, they're like, fucking okay, no, hell, I don't want to go that registered. I'm going to lose business and whatever. Sometimes I respond with the example that I've just given you. Other times I take them down a different conversation. So I'm like, yeah, completely understand where you're coming from with, you know, you, you know, there's a good chance you're going to lose business or whatever. Then I'll I'll distract them with, you know, I remember when we first met, um, you were talking about, um, you know, some of your ambitions and your aspirations and you wanted to have a fleet of vehicles and you wanted to go on like four or five holidays a year with your family and have a certain amount of money, like, you know, three months money in the bank. I was like, how the fuck do you expect to do all of that with 85 grand a year? There's the leverage shot straight in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, like, you can't, that, those ambitions... And what you've just said about avoiding VAT registration cannot coincide. They cannot live <laughs> together. So which one's more important to you? Yeah. Do you want to be a, a successful business owner um, at literally a ceiling of 85 grand or do you want to build a monster? Yeah, great. Great. Obviously not everyone does, but the point is, yeah. is that um, probably 9.9 times out of 10, mm-hmm. people do want to build a business yeah. further than 85 grand a year. They do. Um, but again, I also have people on the other side of that that realize that come to realize that bigger isn't always better. And so yeah. they do the opposite. And actually, by reducing what they're doing, reducing the number of teams they have, reducing their overheads, they actually make more money by and, and actually they are happier, healthier, they're more present with their family. Yeah. That, as we said before, is the most important thing. And so my final question to you then, because I think um it's quite critical. Um, what comes first? Health 
or wealth? Yeah, um, really like this question because um, for look, I, I think, um, and I'm happy to say this, embarrassingly, for the majority of my life, I've had that the wrong, wrong way around and I was focused more on, on money and wealth and that sort of thing because I didn't have any health issues to worry about. So therefore, mm. you know, oftentimes it's hard for us to relate to a problem that we don't actually experience ourselves or someone close to mm. us hasn't experienced. And um, uh, on the 2nd of March this year, I, I woke up in the middle of the night at two o'clock in the morning at a hotel in Birmingham and I had these really worrying chest pains and I, and I was thinking, shit, at what point do I but drive myself to A&E and I've got a seven-year-old daughter and a four-year-old daughter. My wife's pregnant with, with our third. I'm like, fuck, like all these, and that added to the stress. And um, anyway, I got my doctor on the phone, asked me a load of questions and um, ruled out a heart attack or any level of a heart attack. Um, and then the, there were some other health concerns that weren't as prominent. Mm -hmm. And um, long story short, at the end of April, I had a, they call it a wellness screening. So I, went, I paid for a, a private full body MOT. Yeah. Um, and they did a, and I'm, again, I'm happy to share, like they did a, a prostate cancer test because I was worried about a couple of things. Um, I've still got a bowel cancer uh, test to come and loads of ECGs and blood tests, all that kind of stuff. And it's come back positive so far, but it really just like realigned what's most important to me. Um, and so little things like, you know, a ginger shot every day and making sure I'm drinking, you know, at least two litres of water a day and, you know, getting your steps in and doing a form of exercise and, you know, been fortunate enough to um, during lockdown we built a, a gym in the back of the garden and a sauna so I'm in there three times a week you know just all these little tweaks here and there because I just think well we hear it all the time like mm -hmm. how how useful is your money in the grave in the cemetery <laughs> yeah. you know but it doesn't really hit home until you're like shit like I had some pains in my chest and you know that made me think fuck am I having a heart attack or what um, and until that that happens it doesn't really hit home. And so for me now, it's just like, I just, I, I'm, I'm very aware of what stresses me out um, yeah. I'm, and, and what I can do about it. Um, and I just, I just want to try and enjoy as much of my days, as many days as possible, um, as often as possible in the, in the best possible way. And, and just focusing on that because it puts me in a better energy. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm stressed, that's going to transmit to my team. It's going to transmit to, you know, potential clients, existing clients, retention, managing our money, dealing with things. And most important above all of that um, is my relationship with my wife and kids and, and my parents and my siblings and my friends. And, you know, I don't, I don't want them to get whatever's left in the tank at the end of the day. Yeah. Like I want them to get the best of me. Mm -hmm. And so for the, for the people that I care about the most um, to get the best of me, I've got to look after myself. Yeah. So so health is, is there. Health before wealth. Agreed. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me. It's been awesome speaking to you. And um, I wish we just had a lot more time because I, I could just sit here all day. I've got so many questions that I could ask you. So I'm sure um, I'll, I'm sure I'll catch up with you at another point to ask you some of these. But um, I really appreciate your time and for your expertise. Um, but just for our listeners, where can people find out more about what you do and where's the best place to reach out to you? Um, yeah. Um, firstly, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a great conversation both here and the last time we spoke on the phone as well. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, in terms of um, where can people find out more, if you go to if you're on Instagram, go to George dot cashflow, mm -hmm. George dot cashflow in the bio. Um, there's some free stuff in there that you can you can get download a master your cashflow guide. Um, there's a five day cashflow booster for trades. There's some stuff in there that can really help you get lumps of money into them. Be best informed to 
to move forward. Um, and yeah, feel free to reach out. But yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate you. You are very welcome. If you'd like to find out more information about what we do, you can visit our website at cockerellandco.co.uk. That's cockerellandco.co.uk. We also have an Instagram account, which is cockerellandco, and also we are on Facebook. Once again, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and we look forward to seeing you here again soon.